hooked up with Rocker Mike and Rob Rossi. I'm getting loved up with Rocker Mike and Rob Rossi. Well, I'm loved up, but I'm okay. It's gonna get loved up anyway. You better call back the pasta. Just getting loved up with Rocker Mike and Rob Rossi. Getting loved up with Rocker Mike and Rob Rossi. Welcome everybody to the Rocker Mike and Rob Present Show. We're here today with filmmaker Danny Garcia, film producer Mike Schnapps. 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 I'm thinking about booze, that's why. It's a good thing to think about. Yes. And we're here at the premiere for the film Nightclubbing, The Birth of Punk in New York. And Danny, you know, you've been doing this music stuff, these music documentaries now for a while. And uh, what was the, the, the inspiration for this particular film? Well, uh, I did this film, this documentary on Sid and Nancy called Sun Vacation, right. I, uh, six years ago. Mm -hmm. And it came out in Japan, and suddenly this dude from Japan gets in touch with me and says, hey man, I watched you film, da -da -da. I got footage of Sid, Life at Max's. And I said, dude, stop it. There's, that doesn't it, exist. It, and he said, much. yeah, it does. Yeah. I did it myself. I'm going to send it to you. And it did. And yeah. when I watched it, I was like, wow, because it's fucking great stuff, yeah. you know? Lot, Everybody's been talking shit been about Sid Live and he couldn't do it, it was useless. And this material proves everybody wrong, you know? I mean, we've all heard shitty recordings of those gigs at Maxis, yeah. but this footage is from the last night, the late show. So it's the very, very last time he's on stage. Very last performance. Very last show ever, right? And the, and the band is cooking, man. And you see Jerry really, really fucking cooking on the right. drums. And Arthur Kane is really, I mean, and, and he's good on the mic too, man. Sid is good. So I was blown away. And I started, like, I'm going to do a documentary about the fucking last shows of Sid and Maxis. And I started interviewing people remotely because the pandemic shit happened. By the way, we've done all this work throughout the pandemic. So I had to send cameramen to Atlanta to interview Jane County. I had to send cameramen in LA to interview Billy and Arizona. So we did all this. Well, first it was first it was he's going to do a documentary called Sid the Final Curtain, just about Sid Vicious and the final show. So that's his thing. It's all about Sid the Final Curtain matches. Then he thinks. Wait, no, wait, wait, Max's wait. is the story. We interviewed Peter Crowley, yeah. right? And I said, dude, I want to talk about Max's as well, you know? And tell me about Max's and about the counterfeit operation that wow. Tommy was running in the basement. Yeah. Because he told me about it. He called me eight years ago after I did Looking with Johnny. He said, dude, I love your documentary. I want you to make a documentary about me and Max's. And we used to counterfeit money in the, in the basement. I was like blown away, man. I was like, what? I know that's insane. Nobody knew. Nobody really knew that story. I was, I was blown away, man. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, that's got to be in the film. But that I is. said, Tommy, I need money for the music. I need music rights. I need to put some fucking music in there. Oh, and then he was like, oh, sorry, because he was broke. You know? Yeah. He died shortly after. And then when I started interviewing people for the Sid thing, when they spoke about Sid and those shows, it was fucking lame. You know, the interviews were like, uh, yeah. I'm like, oh my God. But when they spoke about Nexus, their eyes lit up and right. they started spewing all these stories and all this madness. And I was like, man, 
We have to do a documentary on Maxis. Right, right. Now let me just give a little background here in case we got listeners that don't know what Maxis is, okay? Right. Ma Maxis Kansas City was a club in New York City on Park Avenue South, uh, about 18th Street near Union Square. And it opened in the mid-60s. The Warhol crowd was part of the- Made it hip. Yeah, made it hip. Uh, Andy's factory was down the street practically. Yep. So uh, it they became- will be there a, every fucking day. Right. Like, every night. And then the Velvet there. Underground was playing there. Yep. And Stooges, then Alice. Stooges, Alice Cooper soon. And then uh, the New York Dolls. Suicide. Suicide. We were talking early 70s. Bro, Maxis was the maker. It was. People, it was. People, people talk about CBs. People talk about CBs, and 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 they don't CB, fucking know the CB, story. CBs was great, but of but, the, but the, the really it all started at Max's Kansas City. Yeah. And your film, I gotta say, really depicts that perfectly. Yeah. Okay. Both you guys tried, made this man. unbelievable story that a lot of people just don't know. And no. and and you know you're 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 a European guy. You know no. people in Europe think the Sex Pistols started punk but rock that's the narrative and in half of that's the planet, half the planet, and that's actually wrong yeah so you made something that you know totally puts that in but bro paul, paul cook up until this mm -hmm. day he mm -hmm. says that he didn't have any influence from the new york city maybe he didn't but steve jones was copying johnny thunders all day yeah, I mean, yeah. and, and the ramones and mm -hmm. oh, come on man i mean they, they knew what was going on no shit, of course they did you know how did you guys get connected well with each other that was funny. Uh, Bob Gruen, I was working on the Thunders documentary, and Bob Gruen was trying to suss us out, you know, like, what is yeah. this guy's doing about my friend and shit, you know? So we had lunch with him and a friend of him, and this guy shows up, right? And I'm with my business associate, and I turn to him, and I'm like, yo, Thissa, check this guy, man, for the Western, because we were preparing our first Spaghetti Western. Spaghetti Western, yeah. Yeah, because he, my, Business associate. He lives in the south of Spain, where Sergio Leone did Fistful of Dollars, right. The Good Bad, all that shit. Yeah, yeah. It was all shot in Spain, yeah. bro. Wow. Yeah. And there's still like three of those sets still, still up and running. Wow. And when you go there, you're like, wow, bro. There's some energy there. It's so it's crazy. Yeah. Know? So I was like, dude, uh, we're just gonna make westerns, and you know, and I never went to film school. My associate did, but yeah. I never, you know. So I'm learning along the way while making mistakes every day and, right. and that's how I learned to do this shit you know so for us it was like film school all right so I met this guy and I go yo look at this guy look at this fucking look for the western and obviously after lunch I go yo would you like to be in a western he's like yeah what are you talking about <laughs> he's pulling my leg <laughs> yeah because he's like you know in New everyone York, says everything to me you know and he goes they, they they come walking down the street and they're like hey nice beard you know and I was like what Rick Rubin that's what I usually get. Yeah. And, and uh, Danny and Caesar go, no, we make spaghetti westerns. We make them in Spain. You'd be perfect to be in one of our films. And I'm like... He never acted in his life. You know, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Because people talk a lot of shit, yeah. but it never happens. So I meet these cats and they're like, no, dude, you got, you got the fucking beard. You got the, you got the beard, oh, you oh, got the look. If you take a West. cowboy hat sideways yeah. and put on that red underwear, you're gonna look like a cowboy. You're right. So they fly me out, like three months later, they're like, dude, come, yeah. um, DJ for us at a film festival. And then once I'm there, they said, oh, now you're in Spain, stay, be in our film. So I end up in Spain for like three weeks, southeast of Spain, Almeria, Tabernas, 
where Sergio Leone, when he did the spaghetti westerns with um, with Clint Eastwood and Levon Cleef and, and Eli Wallach wow. and uh, Jason Robard, um, you know, Once Upon a Time in the West, right. and, uh, for a few dollars more, yeah. Fistful of Dollars, Good, Bad, the Ugly. So he did all those films, the interiors in Italy. They came to Spain and they did all the exteriors there because the desert there, it's the only desert in Europe, and it looks like New Mexico, 1867, wow. eight, 1888, you know? Wow. So it looks, there's no telephone poles, there's no nothing. It's desert. And they built these towns. They did them for the movies. They built them authentic. These are authentic looking towns. And then they leave them there. When they leave and they finish the movies, so all the Spanish people around, they say, oh, they're ours now. And they didn't knock them down. You so, know, you, you know, you know, you know, it was crazy. We did this fucking little spaghetti westerns with like little cameras and stuff. At the end of it, he comes to me, Mike, and he goes, "You know what? This is this has been one of the best fucking experiences in my life." And this guy, so much fun. This yeah. guy used to work with Ozzy Osbourne and Metallica and Megadeth and blah wow. and Rage Against the Machine and right. Pearl Jam and blah blah blah. And I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? You work with all these crazy people. And he said, and he was like, no, no. It's nothing like this. And I'll tell you what, I had Nicoletta Machiavelli, this Italian actress from the 60s, she was beautiful, mm -hmm. inside and out. And she said to me, you know, when you shoot a Western, man, there's something special about it, and people become a family. Yes. And I was like, I, and it doesn't happen in any other genre. And I didn't understand, but when we did it, I totally understood At it. The end and that's what he was telling me. so great. It was like so an working, on a working on a collaborative effort with people. Right. And everyone brings their best and everyone puts it together. Right. And then these guys, and they go cut it up and they make a film. We've First of all, you see what they made and you go, did you, is that from what we did? Because we're, every, we're in the desert and we're doing this yeah. fucked up shit. And you're like and, thinking, and is this going to really work? It come and it comes together. I, I told them, I said, magic, that was a real movie. Yeah. That's the I said, film that's a real film. It's we've the done, movie magic. We've, yes. we've yeah. done three. Western so far That's great. in the last what since 2013. He's done 11 films in 10 years. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten films in 10 years. It's really crazy. But everything you put out, I'm hyperactive. I, so I can tell. And I'm a workaholic. Yeah. So like I wake up whatever time I start working, I go to sleep, and I'm still working. I remember when we spoke during the pandemic. Uh, you know, you mentioned how. Uh, I think you were very influenced by the Clash, yeah. right? Well, you got the Joe Strummer look. I, that's very cool. Yeah, okay. right. Well, but, it's a huge influence yeah, in my life. Right. Me know? too. Me, first concert I ever saw was the Clash and the. The message of the Clash was yeah. you can be. Yep. The message of the Clash is you can be whatever you want to be. You right. don't have to work at a factory. Right. Yeah. Because it's the best years of your life. They want mm -hmm. to steal. Mm -hmm. So this is the fucking. What I get. Look, what I do is punk rock cinema. Yeah. I never went. When I, I tried to interview Malcolm McLaren, and he was like, who are you? And I'm like, I'm nobody, man. Yeah. I've, I've never gone to cinema, school, film school. I'm, I'm a byproduct of your creation. Because yeah. I grew up with London Calling, I grew up with Nevermind the Bollocks, mm -hmm. being a little fucking kid. Yeah. I was in love with Debbie Harry when I was eight or nine years old, like everybody else. You know what I mean? My first crush. Yes. You know? oh, yeah. And when I saw that picture of It to the Bead where Christine is holding her, I was so jealous of her. <laughs> I wanted to kill that guy. <laughs> I was eight or nine years old. Yeah. See what I mean? Oh, so, so for me to do these films, 
it's, uh, you know, it's part of my life. It's a very romantic thing. It's I mean, like, got, a, it's like a life dream. For me, it yeah. is. For yeah. me to have Bob Gruen and all this, and Marsha Resnick and all these legendary people. I yeah. mean, I grew up with mm -hmm. Johnny Thunders in Cold Blood book. Right. Half of those pictures are Marsha Resnick. Yeah. So yeah. I grew up living her and name. She, and she was here tonight. Yes. She's, yes. She, and she helped us big time, man. She's giving us pictures. She's always helping. That's so right. it's thanks to people like Bob Gruen and Marsha and Alan Tannenbaum who always gives the, give us a break. And with, in this film, price. how did you how did you get some of this Maxis footage? Billy Idol was to me. I was like, whoa. Well, Billy Idol, that was a good. But I mean, how did you get the Maxis footage? Uh, I mean, you know, it's just that. just pursuing and pestering people. Yeah, I mean, they, some they of that borrow, stuff I've never seen, and I just been, I grew up steal, on this stuff. Man. That's how we do Danny this. Danny finds these people from. God knows where and when, he just seems to have a good radar to find out who these people are. And then it's just being a good guy being and having persistent. his passion. Being persistent. And, and, and being psyched about, so you talk to somebody, they might not have somebody, but they know somebody who has something, or they know somebody. So That's he does, it's like being a detective. <laughs> He's like, Danny Garcia, punk rock detective. He will find the footage that you've never seen. And he, Bob Gruen was talking about, he goes, it's great because you take all this stuff, he's talking about the footage, yeah. you take a little bit from here, a little bit from here, a little bit from here, you put it together like a jigsaw puzzle, and then it comes out as a full work. Yeah. But it's it all pieces, it's all f finding pieces. You talked about Billy Idol. Yeah. Um, so Danny makes me producer of this film, and so he has what he has from his other films, and he took some old footage, and then I said, well, I've been in the music business, and I know a bunch of people, and let me reach out. And I got, you know, I asked Harley Flanagan, Stimulators and Chromax, yeah, you know, yeah. you want to tell us some stories, and, and Mickey Lee, right. and uh, Nick Martin, and, and Denise from the Stimulators, right. who, you know, who are fans of, of Danny's Brian Jones film, right. and um, Dr. No and HR from The Bad Brains, yeah, and J.J. French, yeah, his sister. I was and then to see them in the movie. I, I, reached out, yeah. I reached out to... Um, some friends with Billy Idol. We, we email back and forth about reggae. He, he, he about, got Alice Cooper too, man. Yeah. About, about I mean, reggae. How about crazy Alice is that? Alice Cooper's one of my old so, so, so about reggae. I email back and forth with uh, Billy Idol about reggae records. He loves reggae. Yeah, he's so, a big reggae fan. And I go yeah. shopping and I find a reggae record. I go, oh, he'll like this. So I put it aside. And so I was telling him, hey, I'm doing this documentary at Max's Kansas City. And he says, oh, I played there in the last night. And I'm like, what? do tell. And he, told, he emailed me the story. I said, would you like to be on film and tell us your story and share the experience? And then him and his managers made it possible that we were able to get an interview with him. And then once... Uh, he's really were, nice, you know, Billy. Yeah, so he, he's always been down to yeah, no, but, 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 but He's but, a real fan. So he's like Danny. Exactly. He's a real fan. When he started off, he was part of the Bromley contingent. Yes. He was the fans that Follow followed the Sex Pistols. Yes. So wow. he loved it so much, he became it. Yeah. And he loves it. He loves it. He's a big fan. So it was great to have somebody who's as big of a fan, if not a bigger fan, than us right. for what we grew up, what we like. He was what he grew up, he likes, and yep. he became it. And so he's so generous to share himself to share his story with us and with everyone who sees the film and then once they came around to tour uh, I, I asked the management I said you know what Steve Stevens is around would you mind I know Steve grew up in New York area so Billy grows up in in, in England knows about Max's the way he does right. Steve Stevens grows up in New York is a musician knows about, knows about Max's so yes. they have two different stories and then they share the story right. about 
This is the first time that Billy Idol ever played in New York, ever played in America. Nobody that's, knew who he was. That's history. This is yeah. 1981. 81, yeah. And nobody had seen them live on stage. They yeah. were in a rehearsal studio. Steve Stevens, Billy Idol. Mm -hmm. I think I spit there. Right ah, there. It's all right, <laughs> so, you know, Max is... First, first time, Max's... and Max's was, was able to, you know, be the place where Billy goes, I grew up, I love this place, my favorite record, Velvet on the Ground, all of a sudden I go see Patti Smith there in 78. Yeah. He was invested, you know, in, he, oh, he, he, wa it. he wanted to be in the film because yeah, yeah. out of his love for well, Maxis and the whole his, New York thing. Exactly. And life. if you watch the film, you see him excited, yeah. very talking about yeah. something that he grew up in, yeah. that he was able to, he goes, I got to be part of Max's history after being a fan of Max's. And yeah. it was so nice to yeah. was there for them to share it. Uh, another guy, if I could just interrupt you for yeah, a second, sure. another guy in the in the film that I was I was really pleased to see because he really doesn't get enough attention is Sonny Vincent. Oh yeah, Sonny's okay. yeah. a, a friend guy. of our show. He's been on our it's show lo a couple lovely, of times. Lovely guy, underrated. Underrated. The testers. Forever. The testers. I mean that tune. The that tune he yeah. gave us for the yeah. film. Yeah, yeah. great. Oh, song. Fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. Great. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't that familiar with the tester stuff, so Danny turns me on to that, and I'm like, big Dan, part of this the guy is amazing. And, and he turned me on to shrapnel. Shrapnel, yeah. And yeah. I fucking yeah. love that. He never heard of shrapnel on film. I was like, wow, Phil that's my shit, man. Yeah. I go, hey, check this stuff out. Yeah. Well, I, well, I interview Phil, because I know Phil's in shrapnel, they play yeah. I love that there. Shit, man. So, and I said, oh, but check his music out. And he doesn't really know who shrapnel is or Phil is. <clears throat> Phil Caivano is in shrapnel yeah. and Blitzbeer and Monster Magnet now. Yep. And Dan, I send Danny the music, and he tips back to me. He goes, dude, oh, man, dude, this is fucking great. Oh, yeah. That shit, man. That's my shit, you know? That yeah. sort of sound. And then um, we're talking about Alice Cooper. Once again, I'm at Epic Records 33 years ago. And uh, at the label, Epic Records, they put out the Trash Record, which had a bunch of hit singles. So I got to work with Alice and Alice's oh. management and Shep and Toby. And so we're doing this. And I know, well, Alice is a crucial part. Of Max's, of course. Let yeah. me reach out, and by the graces of them being generous, they said, "Yeah, let's set it up." And we set up an interview, and then Alice's interview was just wonderful because he's he's such a storyteller. Yeah. He's such a pro. He's great. He's great yeah. on so many levels, mm -hmm. and he really brought this film up notches because, you know, him telling about. Sitting with John Lennon, him talking yeah, about sitting Harrison. with George Harrison. I'm yeah. like, oh, get the fuck out that of here. That was great. I it's mean, priceless. some yeah. legendary stuff. And so I felt good, like, like yeah. you know, I talk a little bit too much. Yeah, but, oh, no. but Danny allowed me to be a producer on this film, and I feel like Dude, I was like, able to bring like stuff I was in telling there. You before. But also, I learned how Danny makes films, how he puts it together, how when somebody says no, he goes, yeah, whatever. And I'm going to make it anyway. it anyway. And he makes yeah. it. Mm -hmm. And while people sit around for 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and they say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, Danny makes shit happen. I have a lot of friends who say, this guy it's is crazy. so prolific because <laughs> he makes it happen. He has an idea, and he makes it happen. Most people talk about making it happen, and it's just going to fly. That's what I don't away. like about the film industry. It's full of people. There's a lot of pretentious shit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not Hollywood. I don't have anything to do. Yeah. I'm a maverick. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that just talk and talk about projects they're gonna do one day, and five years later they're still talking and talking a lot of shit. And, and you know, I don't do that. I want to ask one question: Who did the animation? That was fantastic. This dude in Brazil, man. When I was living in Brazil, yeah. I connected with this dude. That was great. 
He's, he's fucking awesome, man. And he loves punk rock as well. <laughs> yeah, it's funny shit, man. Yeah. I never knew that either, that whole DD story about the knife. Yeah. Well, I, I, was, I was good friends with Rick Rivets. I don't know. Oh, you yeah, you sure, knew Rick. Sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I was very good friends with him. He had some great Max's stories. Yeah. Oh, sure, sure. One I'm going to share with you. I don't know if you know, but Alice named his band The Brats. He gave them the name. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. The Bratz had formed. Rick, Rick had started the Bratz after he left the Dolls, because he started the Dolls. Yeah. Things didn't work out, and he left. Without that, sponsor. Right, yeah. right. And then they went on to do yeah. what they did, and he started the Bratz. And they used to play in Coventry and yeah. places like Queens. that. And Queens, right. Yeah. And then one night, the Bratz, who aren't really named yet, they just started, they don't have a name yet, yeah. they're hanging out in Max's with Alice Cooper. And everybody's, you know, probably throwing chickpeas around and drinking, yeah. getting wasted, whatever, whatever going on in the bathrooms. Mm -hmm. And Alice, at the end of the night, says, "You know, I got a name for you, for your band, because you act like a bunch of brats. Why don't you call yourself the Brats?" <laughs> right? And that's that's how the Brats got that's to be. Amazing. And it's important to mention too with the Brats is that they gave Kiss their first gig in New York City. Oh wow! Okay, at the Brats Loft on Bleecker wow. Street. Okay, so the Brats are an important part of the Max's scene too, you know? And uh, I just wanted to mention yeah. that. Because, no, you know, Coop these, Cooper, there's so many great stories. There's all these great stories. When I interviewed yeah. Steve Stevens, Get on with it, man. He, um, Steve Stevens said that Sylvain Sylvain named Steve Stevens. Yes. So Steve Stevens didn't have, a, sta didn't have a stage name yet. And Sylvain goes, just take it. What's your, what's your name? Steve. Okay, Steve Stevens. He goes, I'm Sylvain Sylvain. You are Steve Stevens. Yeah. yeah. Like, how fucking genius. And then JJ uh, French. Right. You know, you don't, you don't connect him with Max's, but he, at that time when Max's was starting, the New York Dolls were, were already sort of established. They had a look and a sound. Right. JJ uh, goes, I didn't like their sound. I would thought they would get better, and they never did. He goes, but yeah. their look. He goes, their look but their look. The look. He goes, and we didn't have a look. Yeah. Twist Sister didn't have a look, but we had a sound. So I, 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 I was like, oh, really? Right. So you took something from their look, and you added it to your sound. Yes. So shit you don't know. And it's all wow. connected to Max's. Okay. And Danny made the film. That's great. Apparently. <laughs> Final question with you guys. Right. What's up next? Uh, stay alive. Uh, travel okay. the world. We're working on a new thing about the Chelsea Hotel. Okay. About you know I about used to work in there sometimes. the crazy yeah. people at the Chelsea. You know. Oh yeah. And we're shooting there. We've been shooting there a couple of days. I can tell you about the basement. I know it well. Scary oh, yeah? basement. Yeah. Any ghosts yep. there? I saw some once. Oh shit. Man. Yep. Tell us. I'm interested. Oh, fixing the phone lines down there. I saw something like run go past me very fast i was at the phone box went past me very fast and i turned around and it was like a ghostly shape like and, it, and I, I saw it i know what i saw it, you know <laughs> and and there's actually a secret tunnel in that basement too dude i want to film that shit. yeah we need to interview you now for i'll be, ha I'll be happy dude, the film sure. is going to be called the ghost of the Chelsea, you know, the rock and roll stories. And wow. the, the, the Sid and Nancy room is sealed up. You can't yeah, get in there. We're actually sitting on the first floor. Can they open it up for you? Well, the, we got this friend who's actually producing the film, and she lives there. So they do a lot of construction. Room, so it's room 111, since, yeah. since 1981, she's yeah. been there. Yeah. 
And yeah, there's a lot of construction, but you can go to the bar now, the lounge bar. It's right. fucking beautiful. Right, they've been the fixing the place yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah. They're taking the scaffolding down this week. Oh, oh finally. Yes, yes, look yes, terrible. Yes. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. I, I worked in that area for many years, so I know it well. I think we're going to talk to you. Anytime. Let's Anytime. do it. Danny, thank you. Pleasure, Mike man. Schnapp, thank, thank you. Us. Thank you very much. Right. Danny, thank you. Mike. A real pleasure. pleasure bro. Thank you, Danny. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the support. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We really appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for letting thanks me chatter for, Thanks for having us here. Fucking raw. Fucking raw. You dirty yeah. fucking raw. Let's boogie, bro. That'd be great to meet up my stuff. Guys, yeah. thank you, man. Yeah, man. Up with Wacker, Mike, and Rob Rossi. I'm getting loved up with Wacker, Mike, and Rob Rossi. Well, I'm loved up, but I'm okay. It's gonna get loved up anyway. You better call back the posse. Just getting loved up with Wacker, Mike, and Rob Rossi.